0: The following audio is from Life Point Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about Life Point Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Good morning. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you're a first time guest with us, uh, my name is Eric. I'm the teaching pastor here at Life Point, And uh, let me just say thanks. Uh, for for investing your time into coming and, and worship with us today. If you've got your Bibles, Colossians 3. Uh, we've been going through the book of Colossians uh, for a while now, uh, and we're going to uh, continue on in chapter 3. I was thinking about this old self and this old identity and, and, and this new self, and I realized that like it or not, good or bad, um, there are always going to be those things that really define our identity. There's things um, internally that define our identity. There's things externally and, and culturally that help uh, kind of shape us or mark us. And, and whether we like it or not, they're, they're absolutely there. Uh, and so I was thinking about, in, in my own life, Internally, if you were to just kind of take a look at the mirror of your soul, like like what do you see? I, I found that my identity of my own self is really marked by um, insecurity. Anybody else? Been like, no, you're not insecure. You're, you're up on stage. You're in front of everybody. I mean, how? You're bold. I mean, there's no way I can do that. You And I'm just, I hide it. I hide it. I'm insecure. Some of you, when you look at your soul, you look at your identity, you, you feel depressed. I mean, you, oh, lustful or greedy or selfish. When you really look, you, you in your heart, you feel unworthy. Sometimes when I look at my life, I just really feel unworthy. You feel unloved, left behind, unvalued, mistreated. Those are all things that kind of mark us. Maybe, maybe you're here and you would, uh, one thing that really has, uh, shaped your identity, something maybe from your past, maybe a time that you were, you were stabbed in the back or, or, or someone just you, you thought loved you but really turned out that it didn't work out the way you thought. Some I mean, of you are here today and you're just wondering if God really does care. Um, and so even in a room full of people like this, like you feel totally alone. Those are the things that mark our identity, inter- but 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 not just internally, not just me looking at my soul and saying this is this is what I see when I see my soul. Uh, but there's things that externally and, and culturally just be really begin to weigh and define us. And so these are like the physical things. These are the things that when you look in the mirror, you say, you know, I, I'm too tall or I'm not tall enough. I'm too short or, or my hair's not right or my hair's straight when I want it to be curly or it's, it's curly when I want it to be straight or it's not the right color. And, and these things, they begin to mark us and I'm not pretty enough. I'm too heavy. I'm too skinny. I'm too young. I'm too old. And so all these cultural, uh, environmental, things begin to play on us and, and they define us. We're strong or we're weak. We're smart or, or if we're honest, we just don't get it. We're rich. Or we feel poor. We're married or we're single that tends to define us a lot. We have kids or we don't have kids. That kind of defines us and, and marks our identity. Some of you grew up in a, a wonderful, Christ-loving home. Some of you grew up in a very broken home. And so that kind of marks you and defines you. And, and some of you, you're, you're here and you'd say, you know what? What really marks me is that, that I'm kind of fatherless, You're a stay-at-home mom. You're a single mom, single dad. Kind of shapes and marks us. Maybe you're uh, maybe you're a CEO or a president, and that kind of marks you. Or or you're kind of this minimum wage kind of person, right? And that kind of marks you or defines you and shapes your identity. Or you're unemployed or you're retired, and that kind of marks you and shapes you, that plays into your identity, whether, depending on what job you have, whether you're white collar or blue collar or none of it at all. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so there's things that shape who we are. How we see ourselves and kind of shape our identity, but Look in Colossians chapter 3 with me. By the way, um, we just put the page number up here on the main text. And the reason why we do that is because uh, we want to help you be able to navigate through the Bible uh, rather than just putting a whole bunch of verses on the screen. And so if, if you need a Bible, we've got some in the back. You can raise your hand. We've got some guys that will come around. If you don't have a Bible of your very own, uh, just take that one with you. All right, and so we'll put the page number up here for you, but this is the text in Colossians chapter three. Look at it. It says, If you have been raised with Christ... Okay, in, in Colossians 2, it says, You've been buried with Christ in baptism, in which we are raised with Him through faith and the powerful working of God. And so, and so this is, this is an understanding that if you've been raised with Christ, if you've died to yourself and, and Christ brought you to Himself and you've been raised with Christ, there is a new identity. There's a new person. The, the new has come. Second Corinthians 5, I believe it is, 17, it says, it says, you are a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. And he's talking to those who the new has come. He says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not on things of this earth, for you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ. This this old identity, this thing that has has haunted me and captivated me and and brought me to slavery so long. You've died to that. You have been hidden with Christ, it says. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 3. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death this, this old self. Put to death these old things. Put to death these old thoughts. And he, and he lists some things that kind of control us. This sexual immorality or impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You know what's funny about covetousness? Covetousness is, is when you want uh, what someone else has. All right? And you kind of you, you uh, fix your mind on that. And you fix your heart on that. And, and rather uh, than being thankful for what you have, you always want more. It's another sermon. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked, there's no denying that, when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander. And I've seen talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, the new you, the one who's been raised with Christ, which is being renewed. Okay, let me say that again the new self is being renewed. There's a process here. It's a a movement towards. It says it's being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, in Christ, when you've been raised with Christ, the new you, the, the old has passed away, the new has come, right in this moment, in this place, while you're being renewed in knowledge, after it's created, right here, there is not Greek and Jew Circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all. And Christ is in all. And so many times, I find my value in my intellect. Amount of knowledge that I know, like the Greeks. Some of us we find our worth or our value in our religious behavior, the things that we do for God or or not do, and so we're very religious, like the Jews. He says, there's no longer Greek. There is no longer your worth and your value is based on your intellect because Christ is all. There's no longer this religious behavior, this circumcised or uncircumcised, but Christ is all. We, we define ourselves by our backgrounds or our upbringings, and this happened to me, and this, this, Christ is all. We don't feel good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, clean enough. No, no, there's no no clean, unclean. It's Christ is all. So many times we struggle to find our identity and our significance uh, in relationship to other people. I'm like them. I'm not like them. I'm like him. I'm not like him. I'll never be like him or like her. And so we define slave, free. We're Americans. We're rich. We're poor. We're smart. We're strong. We're pretty. We're funny. We're we're socially acceptable. But now all of that's gone. And Christ is all. So when I think of my insecurity, when I think of my pride, when I think of my shame, when I think of myself boasting my goodness, my religious behavior, that's passed away. It's exactly what it is. It is the old self. And we are to put on a new self, a new identity, one that's found in Christ. Christ is all and in all and so we no longer look at our identity being found in our practices that is defined by an earthly standard but rather who Christ says we are if you've been raised with Christ now we must embrace who Christ says that we are there is a new hope there is a new creation there is a new man the old has passed away at the core of this new self is understanding that Christ is all. That Christ is all. And so I love the church. You know why I love the church? Because look around. Like we are some misfits. <laughs> huh? I, I, believe, I believe it's the only place where, where a, a CEO of a company and a, a minimum wage worker or unemployed, retired, and, and, and a, a kid who's in elementary school can come together and there is no distinction. There is no good or bad, he's better, he's worse. There is just Christ. And love abounds. There is no distinction. Galatians two twenty says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That is my identity. Christ is all and in all. And so now for the first time, my old self can be, can be put away and my new self for the first time in my life can be consumed by the fact that Jesus is mine and I am his. And so when we walk into a place, there's no fear to be judged. There's no fear to be condemned. There's no fear to, to not approach because Christ is all. We've got, we've got guys in here who, uh, have grown up in the church, baptized when they were four, uh, lived a life on the missions field, doing the thing for God. And then there's people in here that have just done drug after drug after drug and dealt drug after drug after drug, have felony cases, felony offenses. And right now we sit in here together because Christ is all. Not defined by that. Christ is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that's my new identity. Now, now look, look at what it says in verse 10. Having put off the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So let me, let me make something very clear for you. This new self is not this magic robe that we put on. It's not this magic prayer and then all of a sudden everything's grand. It's not some magic bean that you can play. It is a renewing day by day by day by day. It's not just some magic one-time switch that you flip on, but it's a constant reminder that I've been made new. My old self has passed away. It says you are being renewed. This is a process. It's a journey. And it starts today and it continues the rest of my life. And so, what happens when we put on the new self? If you've been raised with Christ, you have a new identity. If you've confessed Christ, Jesus is your Lord, and you've been raised with him, there's a new identity, what happens in that moment is it begins to form a new fellowship. It begins to form a new community, and it's not marked by any more outward identity. It's not marked by any more of my past or my upbringing or my childhood or my status, but rather it's marked by Christ. That's why it says there's no distinction, Greek or Jew. No distinction. It's just Christ. But this new community has something about it. This new fellowship, this this these new this these new men and these new women, there's something about it. Look in verse 12. Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, these new people, this needs to be the foundation. This needs to be key. We are chosen ones, we are holy, we are loved. That has to be the foundation. That we are in Christ, we are chosen, we are holy, we are loved, because outside of that, we're just working on our own strength. Look at what it says in Ephesians 1. I think I've got it up here for you, so you don't have to turn there. It said, Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us In him before the foundation of the world. Now, let me ask you a question. When did God choose you? Was it before you did anything right? Was it before you did anything wrong? It says, before the foundation of the world, he chose you. He says, he is mine, she is mine, she is mine, I am theirs, and I'm choosing them. And he chooses us, and he says, you're mine, and here's the greatest news. It's because there's nothing I can do to offer myself to him to make it look pretty. Oh, that guy is talented. I need him on my roster. I'll pick him. No, no, no. It was before you did anything right. But it was before you did anything wrong. Just the fact that he absolutely loves you. Look in verse four. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, And blameless. And so, why does he choose? Why does he say, You are mine, I am yours? It's it's so he can make us holy and blameless. And in Jesus Christ, your identity is holy and blameless. Now, listen to me, because it's not that you're perfect, okay? But you're being perfected, you're being renewed. You're being made holy. And on that day when you stand before Jesus face to face, he presents you as perfect on that day. No more struggle, no more sin, no more blemish. But now we're not perfect, but we're being perfected. And then we're presented as holy. In love, it says, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will. In love he chose us. In love he calls us his son. In love he calls us his daughter. He says, I am yours. You are mine. I'm going to make you a new creation. I'm going to renew you in every way. He's blessed us in every way in Jesus Christ. All right, now watch this. Uh, go to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Do I have that one, can I? Great. Great. Hebrews 12, therefore, you've got to see this. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God." Um, how many of you have been to Six Flags? I love Six Flags. Uh, my family, we get season passes. My kids love Six Flags. We go to Six Flags. Uh, one of the things that I notice at Six Flags is uh, whenever you get off a ride or something, uh, they always say, have a Six Flags day. You heard that? You ever heard that? Have a Six Flags day. So we should say, have a Life Point day. Um, there was a pizza place there is a pizza place that I used to eat at when I lived in Texas. Uh it's kind of here, but it's more south. Uh it's called CC's Pizza Buffet. Yeah? yeah? Okay? Yeah. All right, we like pizza more than we like Six Flags. Uh one thing that when you'd walk out the door at CC's, they would say, see, see you later. Right. <laughs> it's kinda it's kind of their thing, right? Here's what I notice here. Um uh, I eat at Chick-fil-A sometimes. Okay, now we're talking. Chicken and pickles. Uh, and and that, that Chick-fil-A sauce, you just dip it everything in it. You dip your straw in it, just try to scoop it out. <laughs> here's what I know, here's what I've noticed at Chick-fil-A. You go into Chick-fil-A, you order, they give you your food. And you say, thank you. And this is what I've noticed. I don't know if they train their people to do this, but this is what i notice. noticed. They don't say, you're welcome. They say, it's my pleasure. <laughs> He's like, they got to say that. And so I'm sitting there, and every time I go in, they say, it's my pleasure. You're sitting there. Your drink is empty. Someone comes around. Can I get you a new tea or... Lemonade, sure, they bring it back. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Jesus in Hebrews, it says, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus went to the cross, was punished and brutally slaughtered. For all my inadequacies. Now don't miss this. The cross of Jesus Christ was not an afterthought, but it was the plan from the beginning. It's not like God was sitting there and saying, oh my goodness, uh, these guys are broken. What are we going to do? I know. Let's, let's create this cross thing. I'll be, the, I'll be the atonement. I'll be the sacrifice. I'll take the rest. No, that was the plan from the beginning. And the Son of God came, and it was absolutely necessary for me to be chosen. It was absolutely necessary for me to be made holy. It was absolutely necessary for me to be made right. It was absolutely necessary for me to know God, to be reunited with God. Because I've been separated, and I was broken, I was lost. And that cross, that punishment, those beatings, those nails, that crown of thorns— that suffocation on the cross was absolutely necessary. And Jesus says, It's my pleasure. It's absolutely my pleasure. Not, you're welcome. No, this was a joy that was set before him. He said, 'I'm. it pleases me to sacrifice it pleases me to suffer it pleases me to die and so so what's what's the joy in the cross then I mean, why would he say my pleasure? Why would he say it is my joy? It's because from that moment, he's purchasing sons and daughters for his father. He is bringing you and me back to himself and he says it's my pleasure because he absolutely loves you. That's gotta be the foundation of this new community, this new identity. It's founded only in the fact that he loves Absolutely loves you. Now you got to hear me for a minute. Because I think we've heard enough that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves us. Oh, how he loves us, and oh, how he does. But do you realize that Jesus loves you? It's not this ambiguous us. That Jesus loves put your name right there. Jesus loves you. We have to grasp this truth. And not this just this kind of cloud love. Jesus absolutely delights in us. He absolutely delights in us. Let me let me show you Zephaniah 3:17. It says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. When you think of God, when you think of your Savior, do you think of him rejoicing over you in gladness? Or do you think he's some kind of just begrudging judge who stands over you and says, you better do this or else? We've got to understand this truth because out of this truth, it compels us to put on the new self. That he he rejoices over you with gladness. It says, he will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. The God and the creator and the sustainer of the universe sings over you. Hear that. It's my pleasure. Because I fully delight in you. That's what God says. Now look at the text again. Colossians 3. If you've been raised with Christ as God's chosen, as God's holy ones, as his beloved, as his loved ones, then this is the mark of the new man. It says, it says he endured the cross He chose you to be holy. Here's what I know. When we become this, when we take hold of this refining new identity, we begin to stop cherishing the things that separate us, not Greek nor Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, culture, race, status. All those have passed away but now we're conformed into Christ and so there's a new identity so we begin to cherish these things. Put on then as God chosen, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience. Bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Verse 14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms. And singing hymns and singing spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I believe it's possible to sing songs to God, but not with thankfulness in your heart just because you're following the crowd. But he says, sing these songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, to the Father, through him. When Christ is all, when Christ is in all, the way that you live with each other, it begins to change, it begins to shift. You begin to live in the way where your worth and your value is not defined by these other things, but rather it's in Christ. Okay, let me get, let me get real with you. If I haven't been already, I'm gonna get serious with you for a minute. If you're in Christ, if you've been raised with Christ, you're a new creation. If you've you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believed in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, it says you are saved. And so if you're here today and you've embraced this unconditional love that God has for you by faith, he says, I offer myself to you. And by faith, you say yes. Yes. Um, If that's you, then I'm talking to you. If that's not you, if you're not a believer, if you've not confessed, if you're still trying to check out this Jesus thing uh, and you're still trying to wonder about this faith, if you're still not sure uh, about God and all these things, I pray that the Holy Spirit will, will open your eyes and open your hearts to embrace and see him. And let me just say, if you're not a believer in here, I am so glad you're here. You are all so welcome here. And we love to have you come back as often as you want. But I'm going to talk to the Christians just for a moment. It will be impossible for you as a Christian to live this out and not be connected with one another. Let me say it this way. The blood of Jesus Christ absolutely saves you. There is nothing that you can do to make that happen. But it is impossible for you to live out this text without some type of gospel-centered community, without investing your lives into a fellowship, without being known and being made known. It'll be impossible for you Okay, life groups. Let's just talk about life groups for a minute. Life groups do not save you. But life groups exist because they're crucial to you growing in the Lord. This gathering here, listen, I don't know how you live out verse 16 by just casually doing church. I can't see it. I don't understand it. Just come here, come there. I don't, I don't get it. Okay. If you're here and you're praying and you're asking God where you would be, where you would serve, I would say pray, seek, ask the Lord. Ask God where he wants you. Take as long as you need. The doors are always welcome to you. You're always welcome to participate in anything you want here. But if church is a spectator sport for you, if you just simply come in and watch the show, you just simply come in and go through the motions, listen, you're robbing me. You're robbing this church. Worst of all, you're robbing you. When you don't get connected, when you're just simply on the sidelines doing the game, listen, you're robbing you. And I'll be honest, only idiots rob from themselves. You got it. And so by not connecting, you will never have the ability to put on compassionate hearts. You you don't need to be humble. Because nobody knows you have a pride problem because you're never around anyone. You you don't have to be kind. You don't have to be patient. Because you're never dealing with anyone. You don't have to put on love because you just come in and play the game and leave. You're never connected. You're never with anyone. You never have to forgive because if I say something you don't like or the music's too loud, you don't don't talk to anyone about it. You just go. You don't have to forgive if you're not connected. I'll just go somewhere else. And so at the end of the day, you have robbed yourself of the community that God has given you for your own sanctification for your own renewal, for your own growth in Christ. Church has become such a spectator sport in our world. I mean, churches have become so program-driven. Program after program after program after program. And we think that because I'm involved in some type of program, then that's gonna lead to some type of godliness. Let me just be honest. Programs don't lead to godliness, It's indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you, you chasing Jesus with other people in your life. It's why it says iron sharpens iron. And so here we are, we're saying, man, I need someone in my life. I'm gonna chase Jesus. Will you go with me? Will you be a part of this with me? I I can't do this alone. I can't play this game alone. And so I would encourage you, invite someone into your life. All right, here's the deal. We're going to be in this building for five years. It's our lease. That's what we got. And so if we have to, we're going to do three, four, five, six services. Matt's like, are you kidding me? (laughs) (sighs) Oh. Um, soon we're going to have if they're not already going we're going to launch about 30 new life groups to help people get connected with one another help people chase Jesus together and if you're here and you're still checking things out and you're still not sure about this church or you're still not sure about this community then I would say take all the time you need pray ask the Lord do what you need to do. And I would say, just get connected here. Get connected somewhere. I don't know. So maybe you're asking God, Lord, where would you have me? Then I would say, take all the time you need. You're so, you're so welcome here. But like I said, if, if, if this is just some type of spectator sport for you, and you have no intentions to get involved, you have no intentions to connect, you have never loved, you never serve, you never give, you never admonish, you've been here for a year, and you really don't have any intentions of encouraging the body, and you really have no intentions of growing with Christ, two things. One, you will be miserable here. Maybe you already are. If your intention is never to pursue Christ and never be renewed in knowledge, never to love, never to encourage, never to connect, you will be miserable here. If not now, soon. And two, we could really use your seat. there's 80,000 people in O'Fallon that need Jesus. That need to know the love of Jesus. And so if you're still praying, if you're still seeking, if you're saying, God, if this is where you want me, then get in. Right? Stop putting your foot in the water. Right? Jump in. Do something grow in him. Just, just trust that he'll, he'll embrace you, that we'll embrace you, that there's, there's no Greek, there's no Jew, there's no this. There's, it's Christ is all. And so let's go. And so if you're here and you'd say, this is, this is the place that God has brought me, this is the place that I'm in, then, then, he, then he, here's my challenge for you. If you're not a believer in here, I pray that today you will know the love of Jesus to the depths of your soul that it would lead you to cry out to him and call out to him and see that he's better than life. If you're a believer and you're in here today and you'd say, this is the place that I want to go, then here's my challenge. Put on love. Which binds everything together. By Christ, rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Join with us as we sing psalms, as we sing hymns, as we sing spiritual songs. Let us have a sense of thankfulness in our hearts. And whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all with thankfulness to God. Be marked by a new identity. Put on love. And let's see what God will do with that. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, first, I, I want to thank you for your great love. and That there's nothing that we can bring to the table that make you pleased with us, but you are completely pleased with us through Jesus Christ through your son and so Jesus I thank you for your sacrifice I thank you for grabbing hold of my heart I thank you for for changing my life I thank you for empowering me to to be renewed through my brothers in this room through my sisters that You constantly pray for me and constantly loving me despite my, my insecurities and my inadequacies. Jesus, right now I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that you'd be very real to them, that they would call out to you they would confess their need for you for the first time that you would remind them that they are yours and you are his Jesus save us And Jesus right now if there's anything that is hindering us from from really linking arms with one another if there's any lies that we're believing some some identity issues that that keeps people at an arm's length. I pray that Lord your love will tear that down. That they will take a step of faith. They will put on the new self and say, I'll put on love. I'll invite people into my life. I'll go when people invite me into theirs. I want to know you more. I want to be refined by you. I want to be transformed into your image. And so today, may that be the first day that I say, I'm yours. Do with me as you please. Thank you for your church. Thank you for these people.